0: Your listening to the awesome podcast network. This week on 80s Revisited, we talk about a Christmas story. Hey, better late than never, right? Released on November 18th, 1983, on the verge of the release of Michael Jackson's thriller music video. And also, we talk about me and Jesse's work as extras, and also some emails. So starting right now on a brand new episode of 80s Revisited. This is '80s
1: Revisited. I'm your producer Jesse Sedgley, and now your host
0: Trey Harris. Ah, uh, Fragile. It must be Italian. Well, I think that
1: says
0: fragile, honey. Oh yeah. Oh. Fragile, fragile, fragile. Tomato, tomato. Here at '80s Revisited. Welcome to our special late episode for Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas everyone. everyone. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Trey Harris. With me, as always, my little elf producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And we're back with next, our next episode, originally planned for a little bit earlier in time. But nevertheless, we did the notes, we put in the time, we watched the film, as we do every year and multiple times for some people, of A Christmas Story. So that's what we're going to cover right now, right here on 80s revisited. Of course, the story came out November 18th, 1983, appropriate timing uh, for the year at least. Uh, IMDB gives it an 8.0. However, Rotten Tomatoes, 89% critics, and in an unusual turn of events, 89% audience. A universally loved film, based upon this numbers and the fact that it comes on 24 hours a day on some cable networks. Uh, let's see, budget was an estimated 4 million, opened at 2, went on domestically to gross 20.6 couldn't find any info on Worldwide or Reynolds, but I'm sure it made a ton on both, or uh, specifically Reynolds, because I think everybody's seen this movie a hundred times. Uh, directed by Bob Clark, he's actually a native of New Orleans, right down the road mm. from us here in Baton Rouge. Uh, he also did Porky's, which is what got him the job to do this, uh, or which led him to be able to make a Christmas story, I should say. Uh, also, the uh, cult horror film Black Christmas, he has a thing with Christmas, he has... You know, he has a Christmas duology. He has a happy family Christmas, and then he has a dark, evil family Christmas mm. with Black, the original Black Christmas, which was remade a few years ago. And the remake honestly wasn't too bad, uh, as far as like, remakes go, at least. Uh, and also, he directed one of the worst films of the 80s, the Sylvester Stallone Dolly Parton vehicle, Rhinestone, mm. which we listened to one time on, part of, one time <laughs> on this podcast. And I'm not, covered soon. I'm not brave enough to watch it. <laughs> I've ah. never seen it. Maybe one day we'll do the worst of, we'll do the top, Like we'll go through the list of the worst movies of the 80s and see what we can pull from there. Uh, it was written by Gene Shepard, who also wrote the novel In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. He also uh, is the narrator in the film, uh, Lee Brown, his wife, and Bob Clark. Uh, so it was a collaboration uh, of writing from the actual author of the book and the director as well to... Come up with the script for this. Uh, Peter Billingsley plays Ralphie. He was also in Ruskies, and he had a bit part in Iron Man. But most notably, he was also the producer of Iron Man, so made a ton of money off the first Marvel film. first Marvel Phase 1 film, I guess I should say, since there were Marvel films before that, uh, at least using the properties. Uh, Scott Schwartz was Flick. He was also in The Toy with Richard Pryor, (coughs) one of my favorites as a kid. Uh, R.D. Robb was... Whoops, hold on. This is where it gets confusing. Scott Hmm. Schwartz was Flick. R.D. Rob was Schwartz, the character Schwartz in the film. He's also Matilda, the Brady Bunch movie, uh, in the He-Man Christmas special, which of course would have been extremely relevant had we done this one around Christmas. Uh, he was Miguel in that, uh, so I've heard him a lot more so in that uh, than uh, as well as The Christmas story, I should say. He was also the voice of Jing Wu in the Bioware smash hit game Jade Empire. Still waiting on the sequel, mm. although you can get it on iOS right now. So if you want to revisit that game, one of Bioware's underrated best. Uh, in my opinion, you can get it, I think, for like 6 bucks on iOS. It's a steal. Definitely cheaper than all those Square Enix Final Fantasies they want to charge 15 bucks for. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, you get what you want. Uh, Zach Ward was Scott... I put Scott... With Scott Farkas. Uh, he was in Freddy vs. Jason. He was also the lead in the UE Bowl Postal Adaptation. Also Bit Parts and Transformers. And also Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is... Since they never put numbers after the Resident Evils, I don't know where that ranks in terms of... Uh, no, Apocalypse was the second one, because that's the one with uh, Joe Valentine.
1: They put Scut on uh, IMDb as well.
0: Well, maybe it is. <laughs> I always thought it was Scott Farkas. So. <coughs>
1: yeah, because Scott's not a name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll have to uh, check the credits next year when we actually watch it <laughs> right. to see what the credits say. Maybe it is. Maybe I've been living a lie this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melinda Dillon was uh, the mother in the film. Uh, she's a veteran of the podcast. She was also in Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, also, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Magnolia. Uh, And of course, the late, great Darren McGavin as the old man, Uh, most notably out to me, uh, Billy Madison, also the raw uh, raw deal with Schwarzenegger. And uh, most of our parents would recognize him from Kolchak the Night Stalker on television, which ran for a few seasons and was kind of his big, uh, one of his big things that he did for a while. But uh, yeah, A Christmas Story, of course, would be more appropriate if we were talking about it during Christmas, but nevertheless, this is a timeless classic uh, I would be willing to bet everybody who's hearing my voice right now has seen this film. Probably This is probably the most watched film of any film we've even covered aside from Star War, the Star Wars films simply because this film, you get beat over the head with it every year, especially if you have cable. <coughs> uh, I think it was TBS and then TNT would do 24 hours, and one year they even did them at the same time. It's crazy. Madness. Just imagine the rights... Uh, who they, uh, uh, how much of a score they made just buying the rights to this one movie, playing it 24 hours and getting the ratings enough to supplement it with advertising throughout that whole time. Looking at the credits now and is it going to fade before it gets to it? A, uh, it is Scut. All right, there you go. it has got to
1: be an error though.
0: <laughs> it must. Well, Farkas is also a very unusual last name. Maybe it's from the book or something, who knows. So if you're ever on Jeopardy and the question is, this notable bully from a Christmas story thwarted Ralphie and his bang, gang of friends. It would not be Scott Farkas, it would be Scut, S-C-U-T. You learn something every My day. My point
1: of reference is a shit-that-should-not-be video, <laughs> so <laughs> Christmas story maybe something's credits. wrong with that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. I'll have to look at that later. But Jesse, uh, I'm sure you've seen this movie, what, 50, 60 times at least? Sure. <laughs> uh, what are your f- memories of reckon? uh remembrances of a Christmas story
1: I feel like I've seen it in sections never like all the way through really <laughs> yeah I always turn on TBS and then there, there, there it is, is. Yeah. yeah
0: if it's December 1st and you turn on TBS you know you could have you know five to one odds at a Christmas story will it's be always weird.
1: on the part where he's you know climbing up the slide <laughs> and mm-hmm. stuff
0: like that same you seem to catch the same part every time you yeah because
1: we started off with the leg lamp and that part I vaguely remember mm-hmm. like I remember the the prop itself yeah but
0: that's become as iconic as yeah. anything in film almost you know
1: so I' probably always catch like the
0: last half, yeah that's probably what it is <laughs> but this is I mean we watch it every year in part, it's part of our rotation uh I mean, let's, I mean it's no national Lampoon's Christmas vacation, right but uh you know this film is just uh it's really just a feel good you know it's it's simple, it's earnest in its presentation i mean we've all been we've all been that kid wanting that one thing for Christmas, and hopefully you know, we all had a happy ending to where we actually got the toy we wanted for Christmas. I never got my attorney a playset, the like four foot tall motorized tram thing from He Man. But I did get the GI Joe aircraft carrier. So, in hindsight, I cannot complain Jeez, about anything yeah, no ever. Kidding. So, although that attorney a playset we would have been pretty awesome, I would have put it on top of the GI Joe aircraft carrier.
1: We got like clothes and stuff because we were poor
0: people. <laughs> but didn't you have like two VCRs? Two VCRs? Didn't you have,
1: didn't you have something like yeah, that? We, we joked true. about
0: something like that, I remember. Uh, Teach yeah. his own. You, you were rich in a different way than me. I had two computers. Pff, I don't know what a computer was still like. Yeah, but I knew <laughs> gaming later. systems though. Yeah. Well, you could have had like what a uh, Zork.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. They had that. Uh, we had that. Doom, Wolfenstein, yeah. all that stuff.
0: The classics. Hey, I mean, yeah. you're still ahead of the. You're still ahead of me. <laughs> I'm sitting there playing with these actual physical things, and you're killing yeah. demons. Yeah, that's true. I remember. I, I don't know when America Online came out, but that's when we got our first like home computer. Oh, and then my friend Jason, who I mentioned on the podcast, was like, "Dude, have you heard of Doom?" I'm like, "Never heard of it. What is it?" He's like, "Dude, I heard about this. Like, it's like the greatest game ever. You can only get it on BC." And then like, "Mom, can we go to the mall?" And then we got the little in the cardboard sleeve, the floppy disk shareware version of Doom from uh-huh. Babbage's at wow. that time. Went home like, "What? How do we do?" First time I ever installed anything on a computer. Like, how does you know? Okay, wow. I put it in. You know? You gotta know some
1: DOS commands.
0: (laughs) Yep, I was like, luckily the back had it printed, like, to where we figured it out. Because we couldn't go online. Yeah. I mean, well, we could, but there was, I'm sure there wasn't a website at the time that said, here's how you install this stuff. Yeah. This is, you know, in the infancy of that time period. Jeez. You know, so.
1: We got AOL later. That was like the advanced internet. Like, we used Prodigy mm -hmm. and stuff like that, where it was just like, ugliest, ugliest internet you've ever
0: seen. Yeah. But, eh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was our childhood for Chris, you know, around, around the time period of the characters in this film. Yeah. But I mean, you know, this, I mean, if you were a kid and didn't see this film, I mean, I, I highly doubt it in today's society that most people have, are unfamiliar with this film. In fact, I refuse to believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, again, I mean, you're beat over the head with this film more so than any other Christmas film, I'd say. Uh, you know, and, and with good, with good right? I mean, it is, I would say it's a, it, it's a true classic, holiday classic. Uh, you know, I would put it up there with uh, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. Christmas vacation, just as much action. Santa sleigh, just yeah, a little. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, no. <laughs> certain parts when it, the whole shootout scene with a bad bard or whatever his name is. Uh, that's that's probably my favorite part. As a kid, I always liked that part because, uh, and especially as a kid, especially growing up when we did, and a lot of people out there in our age group to where, you know, uh, I mean, I really believe that you know, I'm. I just turned thirty seven a few days ago. Happy birthday to me! Uh, thank yeah. you to everybody who just said happy birthday to me. By the way, when I mentioned that. Uh, you know, but I'm now 37, born in 1980. So we were really kind of, and all of us kind of children of that era were really born on the cusp of this gigantic technical revolution. You know, I mean, we know how to, ha- we, we know what it means to hang up a phone or to roll up a window. Kids, these, what do you mean? A card? You just have to do that? <laughs> we know what, a, we know when Bill and Ted that are going to a payphone. You know, I mean, if they did Bill and Ted today, would it be an iPhone? A giant iPhone, you know? Well, how, how could you even make that movie today? I mean, you could. There, there would be a way. To be a, just a throw car. a phone in there anyway. It would be a tiny car or something, like a Pinto or, you know, an Aztec, Pontiac Aztec, <laughs> which I used to have, by the way, before oh, Walter White. It was Booger Green, called the Mystery Machine. Wow. Rolled all through LSU with that monster. Well, no, I got it because they had, like, the camping package. Like, oh, this us be awesome. I can just pull out somewhere and just go camping. Never did. Not a single damn time. <laughs> did you rate f-
1: that as, like, one of the worst cars ever? I think so. <laughs>
0: oh, uh, something yeah. like 50 that. 50 car, worst cars of all time. <laughs> well, let's see what number it ranks while I'm talking about it. Yeah. But, however, it was a fantastic dolly for some of our home movies. 47th. Yeah, see, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> and, and, like, in the interior was great, but, like, you know, in hindsight, when you look at it, it's, it's ugly it has got it sawed off back in, but I loved it. I had a, I mean, it was a good car. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't too materialistic. I just, I wanted it for the versatility of what it was at that time, and that's what I got it for. But anyway, Christmas story. Yeah. I mean, this was, you know, this is the family movie you could watch with your family, you know, no matter what your restrictions were on violence or language, you know, because it's not oh fuck, it's oh fudge. In fact, when I when I was a like young kid and I saw this, I was like, "Oh, I guess I can't say fudge." Apparently, like you know, you get <laughs> so your mouth washed out with soap if you say fudge. You know, being a you know four or five year old seeing this and like, oh, I, I've been saying that word all the time. I'm I can't <laughs> believe I didn't get punished. You know, and then of course, and and one the charm about this film too is it operates on the two levels of the child level of relating to Ralphie, but then also the other level of like. You know just how good of a dad the old man is. Like he gets this, he gets it for his son, and he's 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 listening. He is paying attention to his son and listening to him. And it's a it's it is a it's a good movie, and it's uh, really kind of you know when I watch it, it's very nostalgic, which is really one of the purposes of this podcast. And it makes you feel makes me feel at least like ah oh, like you know it reminds me of childhood at Christmas. You know, so does Die Hard being trapped in my grandparents' house and being unable to leave, playing with my toy dart gun, figuring a ways to get out of the house. But this, but Christmas story, a little bit more so. So, but that being said, uh, hmm. what would you rank it in terms of like Christmas movies? Like your favorite? Would it be, even be on your top five if you had to make a list of your favorite Christmas movies? Probably
1: not. It it didn't have that. Um, I didn't revisit it that mm-hmm. much. I mean, I always was a fan of where Christmas was a secondary theme to the actual movie, like you were mentioning with Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't rank very high on mine. I mean, maybe it's, it's been overplayed, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're beat over the head. Like, literally, like, it's like somebody's taking yeah. that leg lamp and just, Christmas story, Christmas story, Christmas story, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know? You know yeah, and, oh, yeah, wow, a 579 drop in popularity because it's not Christmas anymore <laughs> on IMDb. Uh, Good God. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's highly rated. I mean, it's highly praised. I don't know if it'd be in my top five either. it definitely be in my top ten, but I couldn't say it'd be in the top five because, I mean, there's so many. I mean, Gremlins. Is another one, you right. know. If you're a kid of the '80s, I mean, you know, Christmas story is good to watch once during the holiday, but I can't. I don't. The entertainment's not there to watch it more than once a year for me. Where I can yeah. watch Die Hard a couple of times, with you know, with the wife, with the buds, whatever. Same thing with Lethal Weapon. Always, you know, a little more enjoyable in the rewatchability. Christmas story, yeah, once a year, I'm good. Same thing with like you know, Christmas Vacation. You know, hilarious, but I'm good with once a year. <laughs> it's not. uh, Not that it's bad, but you know how it goes. But anyway, uh, a lot of interesting uh, behind-the-scenes stuff with this film, too. Uh, Bob Clark's success with the teen sex comedy Porky's in 81, like I kind of vaguely hinted at before, is what got him the ability with the studio to give him permission to pretty much make whatever he wanted to do as a follow-up to Porky's, and he chose his Christmas Story, Mm -hmm. which is pretty much the genesis of it being brought to film from the page. This was pretty interesting, I thought, and it seems a little more elaborate for what they needed. But uh, when the in the famous scene, uh, Triple Dog Dare scene with the tongue on the ice pole pole, flagpole, it was actually a hidden suction tube was being used to safely create the illusion that his tongue was stuck to the metal. Uh, So that's how they accomplished that. Uh, in In 2005, the actual home used for the exterior shots of the family house was actually put up on auction on eBay. So you could have bought the actual house on eBay from this film, and a super fan did. Uh, super let's see, fan. name uh, by the name of Brian Jones purchased it for the low price of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Mm. He then spent the following year restoring the home to the way it looked on screen. The exterior was completely restored, and the interior was renovated to match the interior of the home shown in the movie. Uh, parts, most of the interiors were actually filmed in a Toronto studio, not in the actual house, obviously. And then on November twenty fifth, two thousand six, the home finally opened its doors as a tourist attraction. He spent close to $500,000 in preparation for the grand opening. He also purchased the house next door and converted it to a gift shop and museum dedicated to the film in the house. The <laughs> house used during filming can be found at 3159 West 11th street, 11th street in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Pictures and a street view of the house can be seen on Google's map if you want to vigil- visit it digitally, because why else would you want to go to Cleveland except to hit up this house, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and maybe some Howard the Duck locations, but that wasn't filmed actually in Cleveland either, I don't think so. I don't remember. I have to go back and list our episode of the podcast and tell <laughs> you. It seems like they filmed that one in Canada, actually, or something. It was the joke. There's
1: a lot of sports stuff in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, the and Indians. Drew Carey. The Browns. Are they still in Cleveland?
1: The Browns are. They're the worst part, but I mean, the What's basketball team. What's the NBA
0: team? team? Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. The Cavs. Yeah, the Cavs. Duh. Brr. Yeah, King they, James, they actually won. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, last year, well, last year, wasn't it? Yeah. No way, but the Pelicans whooped their ass the other day. Oh really? Yeah, uh, yeah. King James was talking shit about his teammates too. Like we can't win with these people. Oh wow. It's kind of shock. Like he's usually a little more higher class. He's usually not so Aaron Rodgers when it comes to throwing <laughs> his teammates under the bus. Because fuck you, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, take some responsibility for your team. You're the leaders you are supposed to do. But that's that another. was your sports minute. Yeah. Here on Age Visited. Courtesy <laughs> of the spirit of original host Dana Sant'Angelo. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. The film was released before Thanksgiving, obviously, November 18th. Became a surprise hit, by the way. Uh, by the time Christmas rolled around, the movie had already been pulled from most theaters because it had been, quote unquote, played out. How prophetic. Wow. How prophetic. <laughs> prophetic. Almost empathetic. Prophetic. Both. Yep. At the same time. Uh, After complaints were lodged uh, at the theater uh, owners to the studio, the film played on select screens until after the first of the year in 1984. Hmm. So it was beloved even then, like um, immediately upon release. Uh, When the character of Scut, as we mentioned before, Farkas first appears, the wolf music from Peter and the Wolf plays in the background. The name Farkas is derived from the Hungarian word for wolf. Hmm. Uh, Ralphie says that he scut derived from (laughs) (laughs) scat shit wolf. (laughs) The shit wolf. Uh, in case you're wondering, Ralphie mentions or hints that he wants the Red Rider BB be gun twenty-eight times in the film. Mm. Not even a quarter of what I hinted that I wanted the castle or the attorney a play set to my parents didn't work. But <laughs> well, again.
1: Maybe twenty-eight times would have got you there.
0: No, I did I did it like four times that is what I'm saying.
1: Uh, he-
0: that was twenty-eight is only a fourth of how many times I said I wanted it. <laughs> I'd like to believe it sold out and they just couldn't find it, but mm. I'm sure they probably saw the price tag and were like Nope. That son of a bitch has got enough toys. <laughs> we can't get another big toy. There's nowhere to put it. Fuck that kid. <laughs> exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, when, we, when uh, family had some financial troubles back in the day with a business that they owned, they lost it, and uh, we had to move out of the house that we had, and all my, all my aircraft carrier, all my He-Man toys, everything mysteriously, quote unquote, got sold in garage sale, Yeah. and I didn't have them anymore. So every Christmas I repeatedly, well, you know, if you didn't sell my toys, mom, I'd be, I'd be a happy child. I'd be, I'd be happier in my adulthood. And then for my birthday a few years ago, my mom bought me a Castle Grey Skull and a Snake Mountain to replace the ones that they sold oh, wow. back when I was a kid, which was a great gesture. And unfortunately, I'd have my heart broken twice because the Snake Mountain was at our denim store location in the flood, and there was no, <sighs> there was no saving it. But thankfully, Castle <laughs> Grey Skull stands proud to yeah. this day inside my closet, and I see it every day. And Sometimes I take it down and play with it a little bit before work. Although I, there's no villains for them to fight because Snake Mountain got washed away. Yeah. So they're just victory. You know, hey, what's up? Nothing now that Skeletor is dead. Yeah. <laughs> he I think I'll drowned. go. Think I'll go work out or something. But anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, there's a bait, There's a big debate among like super fans of the film, and there are plenty. Believe me, if you look up this film online, about when the film actually takes place. Uh, evidence seems to point to 1939 because of the Wizard of Oz references. However, the Dakota Ring points to 1940. But if you look at the calendar on the wall during the first dinner sequence, you can clearly see the 1st of December falls on a Friday. December 1st fell on a Friday in 39, not 40, as was previously accepted. But Bing Crosby's version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town wasn't released until 1943. So you know what? Who gives a shit? Yeah, that's what it is. It's anachronistic. It's just... You know, just it takes place in the good old days. Right. Let's leave it at that. We don't need to know the exact year. And I, thought, I think the most interesting fact about this film is that it seems like, you know, duh, but this is what inspired the Wonder Years. Mm. Not just in the feeling of it, because, you know, I found the Wonder Years had a very similar tone, you know, with the nostalgia, but also yeah. Howard Stern's narration. And speaking of Howard Stern, he went on to play in the sequel to A Christmas Story, which I don't think anybody's seen. No. So, uh, yeah Well, let's see, uh, in the book in Which again, the title, if you wanted to read it for whatever reason it's, Even though you've seen the movie a million times In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash uh, It's a, actually a collection of short stories That Gene Shepard wrote for Playboy magazine Of all places in the 60s Including ones about the tongue sticking to the flag, flagpole uh, Eating Christmas dinner at the Chinese restaurant The subplot of the mangy dogs Constantly harassing his dad Was taken from another of his short story collections uh, And in that he book said,
1: I gotta rewind a second. Sure. What did I say? You said Howard Stern. Oh,
0: Daniel Stern. <laughs> and the whole time I was thinking, "Is like I don't recall Why did that I hear at all." This? <laughs> Thank you for catching that. Yeah. So have got a letter. So now anybody who is about like, oh, I can't wait to write him an email about this. Sorry, <laughs> just to <laughs> cut you off. I almost did it again. Daniel Stern. Yeah. The Home Alone two. <laughs> oh, Home Alone one and two. I should say. It's like I actor. don't know
1: what you're talking about.
0: Which, a <laughs> little side note of Howard Stern, uh, God, I can't get out of my head now, I'm, I'm yeah. stuck in Howard Stern mode. Uh, Daniel Stern, uh, here in Louisiana, to date it, right before Hurricane, literally like a week or two before Katrina hit, uh, the first time I ever worked as an extra on a film was for a film called The Last Time, which, with Michael Keaton and Brendan Fraser, one of those still has work, uh, but uh, Howard Stern was on it too. My mom was like... You mean Daniel Stern. God damn it! <laughs> If I say Howard Stern for the rest of the podcast, let it be known that I mean Daniel Stern. Because it's now, it's now been made such a big deal, my Who's brain... Who's the
1: guy that hosts that radio show? Daniel Stern. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Very famous. Private parts. It, wasn't, it was all about Home yeah. Alone, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. And that's how he got so successful. But uh, anyway, uh, don't watch the movie. It's no good. But, uh, well, let me tell you this. The twist in the film is so stupid. I was just like, Wow. And turned it off immediately. Can we see you though? Yeah. In oh, fact, okay. I'll, if I remember, I'll f- <coughs> uh, find some pictures and screenshots and post them. So I have my long hair. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But my mom wasn't a featured extra, but she got she worked like a couple of days on it, and then she said, "Oh, they need like a couple more people for some background. You need to come with me because I'm, I'm scared to go to New Orleans." <laughs> you know, so I'm sure, Mom, I'll go. You know. So we went, and uh, yeah, uh, that, I think I told the story before. That's when I'm sitting there taking a piss out of urinal, and Brendan Fraser comes and pees right next to me. No. Didn't say anything. Didn't want to be that guy. Right. And also, we were pissing out a urinal. so uh, He was really hoping you'd say something. I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm like, God, oh, this guy's cute. Wish he'd say something. <laughs> no, nah, of course not. We miss you, Brandon. I do, at least. I think, I think he needs a comeback. I don't, think, I don't think he was ever bad. He found his niche and he wrote it into the ground. Yeah. Or niche, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Niche, niche, fragile, fragile. It all comes full circle on this <laughs> podcast. But, uh, yeah, Michael Keaton, short. <clears throat> You know, surprisingly short. But anyway, But, but the how? Uh, I want to say it again. Caught myself Daniel Stern. Mom said he was one of the nicest people, like, in terms of, like, I mean, that was, we never had any kind of experience on an actual movie set. Sure. But she said he was, like, super nice. Like, he, he like, greeted everybody in the room. Like, he said, like, he, like, uh, he recognized Mom the second day and, like, said, Oh, how are you today? And, like, he was very personable and just extremely nice. Uh I think most actors are... That way. Um, I, I like to think that, but I, you always know, show those horror stories. But again, they're people. Yeah. You know, there, there are days when I, when I come home and Alden's like, hey, baby, what you doing? I'm like, I'm fine, you know, whatever. You yeah, know, exactly. Some days you just don't want to be fucked with. Yeah. You know? So, but uh, she had enough of a good thing to say about him. Michael Keaton was just quiet. Like I, wa- like, I was like, oh my God, it's Batman. Like, I'm in my mind, like, I'm Batman. Every time he walks by, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Didn't say anything, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's still, you're in the presence of Michael Keaton. Even back then, you know, and I, I had respect. Uh, Beetle you know, Beetlejuice. You know, yeah. was there, Beetlejuice was standing right next to me. Yeah. And it was great, it was awesome. But uh, like I said, you know, him standing next to Brendan Fraser, it's pr- pretty stark height difference there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he was Keaton was just really quiet and just came in, did his lines, and that was it. And then, uh, but it was it was a cool experience. Like I'll, I don't ever want to do it again because it was a cattle call. You know, we're sitting there That's for hours. The and again, this is pre Katrina, pre iPhone, and all that shit. So. You know, I can only play Snake for 30 minutes on my old phone before the battery would die. And, you know, oh, I forgot to bring a book. You can't leave to go to the magazine stand or anything like that. So, so you got to sit there and talk to Birdman. Well, we all we had to sit in the room with all the other weird people. Oh, yeah. All the right, weird extras. And I say that, I mean, if you've ever done any work like that, you're in a room with like, you know, 50, however, however many people are there. Right, right. Not all of them are nice, intelligent, Yeah, you know. Normal people, for lack of a better descriptor, there's some weirdos in there, and I guess it's just my personality, but they always find a way to sit next to me.
1: The last time I did extras work was a cattle call, that cut it off for me. Yeah, I, was just like, I don't want to do this again. The other times I did, it was great because it was just me and the cat, you know, the cast, and See, the you know, that, crew.
0: Now, if I was hanging out with Michael Keaton and Brendan Fraser, yeah, wow, this is great, I need to do this more often, but it was just <laughs> like, you know, but uh, this, of you course, know. this is. Post Batman everything for Keaton, but also yeah. pre his resurrection of sorts. You know, I mean, because now he's huge, he's as big now. Was that now your as, first time doing it? Yeah, on a, like on what I would say an official movie set. Yeah.
1: You know. Did you do it after that?
0: We did it one for a kids movie, like the next day, because they said, "Oh, uh, we need, like I'm running a little extras for this little film oh. called family film called Lubu from one of the directors of one of the episodes of Power Rangers or some crap. And I was like, oh, come on, it'll be fun, we'll go tomorrow. That one was worse because we're in a tent outside in Louisiana. Oh, my gosh. And I show up like, I had a faint design on my shirt. You couldn't even see it. Like, you need to turn your shirt inside out. I'm like, whatever. So they pissed me off so much. I'm supposed to be a photographer, so I had a camera, like a, like a news photographer, a uh, newspaper photographer. I left my lens on on purpose.
1: Also, like, you're playing this photographer that... He counts on visuals, yet his shirt is inside
0: out. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I cut my, all my tags out, so. Uh, but you yeah. know, but still, it's just like so Like you can't some. Like you literally, it was so faded. and it was an express shirt. So like, the ad on it wasn't even real. Right. You know, it's just some. It was some fake boxing gym thing. Like barely, whatever. But despite those fuckers, I uh, kept the lens cap on my camera for every shot. So I'm the. What's the name of that one? Lubu, L-U-B-U. Yeah, but I, I did like. That. I found a copy and that downloaded it, because I wasn't paying money for that shit. Warriors. Yeah, it's the same spelled the same. Well, actually, maybe it was L O O B O O. I don't remember. It's something like that. It's it's like Jeez, I downloaded oh it illegally. I'll freely admit that because I wasn't paying money for that shit because I saw the quality of the film just being on set uh, and like I wasn't in it at all. So they somebody <laughs> they at least had the fort like wow well, that lens caps on. Let's not show that guy. So hopefully I caused him some hell in the editing room because <laughs> they made us sit in a hot tr- like tent in New Orleans. Yeah. In Louisiana, and also again pre Katrina, Nagin was the mayor. He had a whole big scene where he comes down the stairs. Yeah. So, yeah. oh god, he was so Megan. bad. People, people, where are these children? It was so bad. And there's an extra locally, Jesse. I'm sure you know this woman. Her name is Susie Labry. Free oh, shout out to Susie Labry. Of course, Labry. I know her. Anybody who's worked in this area knows this woman. She's she's been in like I don't even know is she on oh, okay okay she actually is on IMDb. Of course. Well, I want to see what. How I many mean, you're on IMDb
1: has. too. Well.
0: Not with an actual picture. <laughs> That's true. Is, go to oh, pre- pre- like. Uh, Only okay,
1: thirty-four. Oh, but she's uncredited, probably a hundred plus yeah.
0: times. Like, if there was a movie filmed from the dawn of time anywhere in Louisiana, <laughs> she was an extra in it.
1: Yeah, but I mean, she's been in a lot more than this.
0: But this is what makes me like recognize her all the time. She's very nice in person. Like, I don't have any complaints with her. Like, personally, but on this film, this Lubu kids film. Like, she's just supposed to walk down the stairs and keep walking when the mayor comes out. No. She, like, went, there's, i I'll have to find them. There's shots online where, like, she's basically perched on Negan's shoulder. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's in the, like, she made sure that you saw that she was in this film despite the fact that the, the <coughs> assistant director, like, said, ma'am, can you move over, please? You Just keep walking. And she just kept doing it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so, I was inside, i just like, this is so funny. This is so fun." Like, kick her out of, the, you know, if I was like, <laughs> ma'am, stop that or get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know, like it would I mean, but literally, she walked on the steps, circled back around, and stood behind the mayor, like, Whoa! <laughs> like that gif of Hillary Clinton watching yeah. the balloons. It was just like that.
1: Well, she was at the Trump rally that, when Trump came to Baton Rouge. Clearly
0: visible. Paid actress, by the way. So. Yeah. Well, the, possibly. She was
1: filming it with her phone, but the whole time she had it f- facing her. And she wanted to be on the front line. So she's like crammed between these two big guys. So her head's like sit, <laughs> just sitting between their shoulders. And she's filming herself being crunched. I'm like, this is funny. But it's
0: like. I can take that video and put like some Slayer over it. Like she's at a <laughs> concert. And add some like a filter with effects. It'd <laughs> yeah. like <a> effect. <laughs> be great. But uh, anyway, that's my oh extra my story God.
1: for this. Yes.
0: But uh, anyway, back to the Christmas story. Uh, Due to the popularity of the film as a holiday classic, the Daisy Rifle Company has started producing Red Rider BB guns for sale during the Christmas season. As such, it's become one of Daisy's best selling rifle models. Hmm. Uh, Me and Jesse don't play shoot BB guns, we shoot airsoft rifles. And they look way cooler and are way more fun than Red (laughs) Rider BB gun. Just saying, get in the airsoft. A lot of fun. Uh, The Chinese restaurant is named Bo Ling. Uh, There's a neon sign across the top of the storefront that reads Bowling, except the W is not lit. Oh. Uh, I, I never caught that until this time because I watched it in 1080p for the first time ever uh, and I was like oh wow well, yeah it's clear, it's clear as day that it's, it's a bowling, bowling alley that is now a Chinese restaurant a racist Chinese restaurant in this film <laughs> uh, so yeah but anyway uh, Darren McGavin ad-libbed the profane rants while fighting with the furnace uh, he said he speaks gibberish the entire time because it was almost impossible for him to ad-lib angry words without actual profanity and that's pretty much just to ensure that the film was rated PG hmm so instead of, going, God damn it, motherfucker, stupid shit, he's just, star, rocket stickin frockin chuckin nugget. All oh, I got, <laughs> you know, gibberish, literal gibberish. Uh, Ralphie tells the three grown-ups, his mom, his teacher, and Santa, that he wants a Red Rider BB gun for Christmas, and they all turn him down. However, the one person he never thought to ask was his father, who's the one who gets it for him. Mm. Although he does put that magazine ad in his mom's magazine, so I would imagine it must fall out. The dad sees it, obviously puts two and two together, <clears> and gets it for his son. Uh, 20, the 24-hour marathon actually started in '97, and as of 2009, has been shown. The film has been shown over 250 times on Turner Networks, TBS, TNT. Uh, in 2014, it was simul and 15. Excuse me, it was simulcast on both networks for 24 hours. Jesus, ugh, uh,
1: of, there's no need for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just hey, we get a, we're gonna get a whole bunch of advertising for today for and everybody can go home and have a day off. Just set it to repeat. Excuse me. Uh, 2012 sequel starring... <laughs> look how fun... Look, I'm showing Jesse my notes. I actually put Howard Stern on my notes instead of Daniel Stern. Like, so th- and this, these were written like a month ago. So <laughs> I really fucked up. <laughs> I couldn't get Howard Stern off the brain. I was probably listening to him or something while I was typing. Uh, and according to our, friends, our friend John at Now vs. Nostalgia, it's no good. Uh, speaking of them, I do believe he did an episode on A Christmas Story as well, so be sure to check out their episode if you want some uh, other info on it, because uh, they do a different, you know, we talk about the same things, but, hey, different things come up, so it's always worth double-checking uh, between us and seeing what they have to say. Uh, the, in 2012, also, a Broadway play w- ran for a month. Uh, however, it did, even though it are only running for a month, it did get Tony Award nominations for Beth, Beth... Beth? Beth, I hear you calling. Best <laughs> musical, best book of a musical, and best original score written for the theater. So... You know, it's it's out there. It's out there and everything. You go to Walgreens, you can buy a little desk version of the lamp uh, if you want. Uh, looking at the actual house on street maps right now, and yep, you can see it. Plain as day, advertised. Christmas story, house and museum. Yep. It's got a... Wow. <coughs> looks... Wow. It looks yep. like the movie. You yep. <laughs> even have a paved walkway around if you want to walk around the house, which they only show from the front in the film.
1: Yeah, and has the leg lamp in the window.
0: Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> and a snow shovel for that snow in July in Cleveland, <laughs> but no, it's still cool. So I, I think it's really awesome that you know a film that's popular as this, and it, it's undisputably, you know, most people put this as probably their favorite Christmas movie. To be honest, most yeah. people, yeah. without a doubt, you know that somebody loved the film enough and is preserving this piece of film history. Uh, of course, not every house needs to be preserved for film history, but I have no problems with this one, especially you make it a museum for the film and, you know, it's a, it's a cool little tourist stop if mm-hmm. you're there. And I'm sure, I am sure I would guarantee around Christmas they probably have a ton of events there and stuff, so it's probably really fun if you're there around that time. <coughs> and yeah, there's a picture of the interior. Look, uh, I don't remember that wallpaper, but I'm sure it's... <laughs> I mean, he spent $500,000 on it. I'm sure it's the same. Yeah, I'm sure they had to uh,
1: improvise on some of this stuff. Yeah,
0: a lot. So, interesting nonetheless. Uh, however, for a score... I, uh, as far as I, just a film goes uh, film wise I'd give it a 9 I think it's a great movie uh, a lot of memories for it uh, you know, it's a, it, again it's a Christmas movie you, you'll watch it once a year and then that's it but you probably will watch it at least once a year you, know, you will revisit it uh, at least once a year most people will or actually everybody probably will because it's inescapable you'll go into a restaurant and on TV they'll have it on the channel playing a Christmas story mm. you will see this movie once a year whether you like it or not somehow some <laughs> form or fashion you will be exposed to it uh, now if only we could get that advance with Die Hard that's oh, they, they even have, they even the have like the overloaded outlet in the house uh, see little see you. that's how you know somebody really loved this movie enough it's the little yeah. things like the little details
1: and they spent like half a million bucks also yeah, <laughs>
0: I'd like to know how, how much money he's making
1: but, probably not much he probably had that sitting around saying eh, what else am I, gonna do I won the
0: lottery it? so I might as well buy this house that I can't live in there must be the gift shop next door, huh. I would guess. And there's even a in the gift shop. There's even a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation department, yep. so you can get all your Christmas movie needs. Uh, wow, a line to get in this around like, Christmas time. I guess this is
1: like an anti haunted house.
0: <laughs> it's the exact opposite. <laughs> no, see what they should do for Halloween. They theme it, you know, <laughs> it's scary. But however, uh, conversely, speaking of that, uh, I'm not sure. I think it's it's somewhere in Illinois, maybe, or it's somewhere in the northeast uh somebody bu- built a replica of the Myers house from halloween and they do all sorts of events in the month of october for it hmm. so th- th- you know there is a place to go for that
1: <laughs> oh look uh they have scut farkas's fox hat oh and they
0: spell it scut yeah must be that's it yeah the museum says it it's, <laughs> it's officially permanently scut farkas so enjoy that huh but uh, anyway, uh, I give it a 9. Jesse, you've seen it enough to give it a... You've seen bits and pieces to at least give it something sort of... A yeah, 6.8. There you go. Straight from Jesse's mouth. Cut the difference, we'll say it's worth a 7.5. The official 80s review is a 7.5. <laughs> let's just call it that. Uh, let's see. Back to the Future. Lots happened since I actually wrote this that we talked about last week. <laughs> but uh, in general, uh, literally finished Resident Evil 7 yesterday. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. If you like Resident Evil, this is a step back... In, the, in a good way to Resident Evil two, three. I mean, that's cool. Uh, it's not like four was great for what it was, but then five and six just got you know there was no scare, there was no tension. Even this one, you open a door, there's a leech monster. Like I jumped countless times.
1: And this is the first game where you could play entirely in PSVR. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Wish That'd I had be a it. fun experience. <laughs> I tell
0: my friend Jason, like if it wasn't so damn expensive. Like, I would buy it just to play this game because, like, yeah. just playing it in my room, in my... Grant, I got a big TV. like it's it's terrifying. Like, you'll be walking, and all of a sudden you'll hear a noise, and like, oh, shit. You know, this is a game where, like, you go into a room, like, yeah. there, it's a mechanic to close the doors behind you. Like, uh. so, like, and on one <coughs> hand, it, you know, it works for the gameplay, but, like, a monster's coming, I'll just run to a room and shut the door. He, he won't come in. Mm. I mean, which, it's a leech monster, so they're not intelligent enough to open a door, but they can't break them down either.
1: They gotta have something in there to break a door.
0: Yeah. You know, but I mean, I'll be like, and they do a great job because usually you'll hear them like form, like you hear, you know, okay, oh, there's one around. But then like, you'll, be, you'll go around a corner and there's just one standing there just not making any noise, just like waiting for a noise to come at you and it's like, I mean, genuine fear, like immediately turn around, run back, not waste, them. This, is a, this, is, this is back to the Resident Evils where you don't, you, you do not shoot a weapon unless A, you're sure you need to and B, you're gonna hit them.
1: It's like that alien game then
0: yeah Insolation. i never finished that one yeah i
1: never finished it either because it felt like a lot of repeating <laughs> like
0: that's like i got to like the th- i guess third fourth <laughs> level like i didn't even, I haven't even seen the alien yet
1: oh really yeah but it's just like oh, it was just same
0: monotonous I and mean, it, it has good tension but again nothing in my at least in my i've heard i've heard this too like some people see the alien all the time some people see him like once or twice the whole game or something like that like oh, just based on where they're going and where the ai for that is sending the alien yeah based on what you're doing you know, but it just see, it it seemed very repetitive to me. Mm. Uh, just like, okay, I got this power source. I went over here, nothing's happening. Back yeah. here, nothing's happening. Uh, you know, so I, I still have an Xbox. I, I want I want to finish it, but I started you know, Final Fantasy 15. Mm. By the way, that's my next thing. Uh, uh. In a nutshell, Resident Evil. If you like Resident Evil, you should play this game. Only play it at night, and just enjoy it. Mm. Uh, it's 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 really good. Like it's, you know, uh, they had the PT. Thing which was you know supposed to be the evolution of Silent Hill, and you could tell that they, that PT heavily influenced Resident Evil Seven. Yeah. But uh, it's still it's got that creepy scary factor, but it's also got the Resident Evil factor with mm. you know what's going on with the world, and it ties into you'll see when you finish it, you see where it ties in. Mm. Uh, but if you like Resident Evil, if you like the remember that actual fear you had playing the old Resident Evils of you know Nemesis hunting you or you walk around a corner. And there's a tyrant like this. Seven captures that again. <laughs> so it's it's it, it went back. The, the game went, Resident Evil went backwards for the right reasons because no, this is not an action game. Once you beat it and you get infinite ammo, you can play it as an action game and just run through it and blow everything away. But uh, it's fantastic. Uh, and then I started Final Fantasy XV. I'm like five hours into it. I haven't even boarded the ferry yet to the next area. I'm still just like doing hunts and just oh uh, interesting getting a. Uh, items and the dots on the, you know, all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, okay. I know what fairy you're talking about. Like literally at the beginning of the game. Like I'm still in the first area. Yeah. Like taking the car. Oh, wait, I didn't get this. Oh, there's a quest up there now. Let me grab that. Uh, just taking it slow for myself. And then, uh, of course, last week we talked about my top 10 films of the year. I have seen some other ones that have been considered for the Oscar, uh, other notable films at least. Uh, I saw Monster Calls, which was fantastic. That would definitely, I'd throw it in my list somewhere. I don't have my list in front of me. I don't remember what I wrote, but it would be on right. there. Something would come off to make that movie be somewhere on there. Mm. Fantastic. It's like an adult fairy tale. Mm. An adult, I mean, an adult in terms of the subject matter. Uh, I don't know if I'd let kids watch it because of what the movie deals with. And that's not in a, it's not in a bad way, but it's, it's heavy. It's not scary or anything. It's just, I, I, it's what, heavy is the best, best way to put it, in my opinion. It's, it's just, it, it's, it, it deals with some real life issues, but it does, it has that fantasy <coughs> aspect to it which makes it really good.
1: It's so weird that I haven't even heard of this like until you mentioned it.
0: I don't either. Like I think I mentioned it on the podcast or to one of my other friends. Uh, when I just heard, like oh, it's, it's got the chick from Rogue One and Liam Neeson's in it and it's called A Monster Call. It's supposed to be really good. I'm like, okay, is it like a rapist? Like, is she, Liam Neeson trying to rape her or something or trying to kill her? Like, you know, A Monster mm. Calls. No, there's an actual monster in the film. So it's, 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 it's fantastic. I personally absolutely love this film. Probably the best child actor I've ever seen in anything. Hmm. Uh, also saw Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I'll never watch it again. But uh, yeah, there's uh, Casey Affleck. I'm, I mean, he's gotten a lot of like, oh, you know, they got the nomination and all that for best actor. I've, I've seen better performances of the year. But there is one scene in this film for both him and Michelle Williams that I'm pretty sure those are the two scenes for each for each of them that got them the nomination based on that one scene for each of them. Mm. Just uh, how intense it was. And again, it's not a bad movie. It's good, uh, but it's not a movie you're going to watch more than once. There's no need to. It's yeah. a and it's it's a little slow. It's a little long for what it is. But however, it is good. I wouldn't put it on my top ten list. Uh, but it is a fantastic film. But my my tastes personally are more. You know, I lean more towards Rogue One and that kind of an arrival than you know stories about uh, you know stuff taking place outside of Boston. Mm. that kind of stuff but uh also uh another big Oscar contender uh Moonlight saw that one uh just was it no night before last uh I don't know anything about this film going into it just that Mm -hmm. it's gotten a ton of praise and the guy I forget his first name it's uh something Ali from that's been in like everything this year yeah yeah is in it that's all I knew about it uh fantastic film uh it would, again, it, I wouldn't put it on my 10 favorite of the year because it's, it, it's a real movie. It's a very honest, earnest movie, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And if you see it, you'll anybody who sees it, I think you'll understand what I'm saying by that. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's basically just a, a film about you know finding out who you are. Uh, and it's just it's solidly acted. <coughs> it's exceptionally well done. Uh, and when, and it, again, it just the direction... The musical choices in the film, it all feels like very organic and real, mm. like almost documentary-esque for the most part. Uh, but it is, it's way better than Manchester by the Sea to me, I thought. Uh, and I really hope, I mean, there's, there's, uh, to me, there's a lot of competition for the Oscar, but more so in supporting roles. I think there's, a, there, for both actress and actor, are really heavy this year with just like really good performances, where I think there's notable exceptions for the actor and actress. Stuff, but uh, again, I haven't seen everything yet, so I can't say for sure. That's just again my opinion. Mm. But uh, basically, in a nutshell, Manchester by the Sea. If you're not interested in like a talkie, like a long drama, yeah, skip it. It's nothing. Again, a lot it, of the
1: nominees are like that, though.
0: For the most There's usually like that. But now yeah. they now they have to have ten. Yeah, they have like they the only one, have nine, right? Did they? I thought they uh, they can have they can have yeah, up, to, up 10.
1: to ten. but this year I think it was nine
0: because I mean arrivals up in there, uh, some stuff. Uh, so, you know, they, they, it, it crosses a lot of boundaries, or uh, a lot of uh, genres, I should say. They're right there in the corner, actually. La La Land, Arrival, Lion, haven't seen that one yet. Hail to High Water, Hidden Figures, Moonlight, Hacksaw Ridge, Manchester City, Fences. Okay, out of all those, I've seen everything but Fences and Hidden Figures. I mean, uh, actually, I haven't seen La La Land yet. Oh, we'll be seeing that soon. I know you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen it. Haven't seen La La Land, Lion, or I saw Lion. yet. I saw uh, La La
1: Land, Arrival, Lion, Hell or High Water, and Hidden Figures. I haven't seen the bottom four here.
0: So out of those, which ones are your...
1: Out of these?
0: Your personal favorite and then personal
1: the Personal favorite? And
0: then the one... the one I La think going to... No, yeah, same, La, La Land. The same takes both for me. I mean, it's I mean, probably going to win. I I've mean, made a musical, so... <laughs> I mean, if you're a betting person, that's the one to bet on. For sure, yeah. Although... Uh, That's the one I think will win, but I would not be surprised if Moonlight wins simply because of the relevancy of the subject matter. Sure. Because you know know how Oscar is. I I know how, uh, yeah. You know, like, oh, this, yeah, this, this movie, these other movies might be way better than this one, but this one's relevant. And that's usually what can take it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, type of thing. So I would not be surprised. And, you know, out of the ones listed, my favorite of those is probably Hell or High Water. I just absolutely love that movie. But is it, you know, what you would consider an Oscar best picture? Probably not, you know. Yeah, just because you know, because I mean, all the ones I've seen on that list, they were all great films, but they're all pretty yeah, that's different the too. They're all, they're yeah. all, so far so, so good. It's really hard to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's, I think it's, it's going to be La La Land. I think it's the, the forefront, but I would not be surprised at all if Moonlight takes it again because that's how. Haven't well, I
1: mean, you seen that yet? Just wondering because you watch a lot of movies.
0: <laughs> it's still playing at Perkins Row, right? So caught that uh, a few nights ago. Because uh, you know, uh, well, Perkinstown is kind of the, the biggest theater that does it locally. But whenever like they announce the Oscars, that's when they kind of like bring them back, bring them back for people that because mm. obviously there's interest. Oh, I didn't see that. I want to see what's so yeah. That about one it.
1: was just released at the end of last year, anyway. So yeah,
0: but it's good. It's I, I would recommend. Like again, Manchester especially eh. it's you know if you like you know if you if you're interested, read the description about it and then watch it if you're interested. It's not a must see. I mean,
1: I'm gonna watch them all just because I w- Every year, I try to watch them all.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a good practice so you can give a good opinion. Yeah, uh, but a Monster Calls was phenomenal. I, I personally absolutely love that movie, and it was it was good. It was a good movie. Uh, Moonlight, same way, except you know, much like Manchester, it's not something you're gonna watch again. Mm. Real, I mean, once you know the story, once you know how the story ends, that's you know, it's not like there's any surprises or anything. But I mean, it's like you don't need to watch this guy's life again. Uh, Monster Calls, you know, visually striking because you have the fantasy element. So it's worth rewatching just for some of the scenes that it paints, so to speak. But uh, yeah, that's about it for this week for the Back to the Future. I uh, got a couple of emails from the last episode, however. <coughs> Cover those real quick. Uh, the first one's from Matthew. I hope I you pronounce your last name right, Leschen. L e s c h e n, Leschen. I'll go with that. Uh, about Ghostbusters that we talked about on the worst of list. Uh, mm-hmm. He said the subtitle comes from the fact that. Uh, Semicolon. This was meant for the first installment. Meant as the first installment of a trilogy, taken directly from the plot of Ghostbusters in '84. Part one is the first act of Ghostbusters '84. The next film will be taken from the second act of Ghostbusters in '84, which is why they hint at uh, Zool at the the credit scene in the answer the call one. Then the last film, the last act of Ghostbusters '84. Then a planned spinoff of Slimer into a new franchise of endless sequels. Hopefully not. Uh, Sony and Amy Pascal, Pascal. The former mm. head of Sony forced out Ivan Reitman, then changed what would have been a great reboot and turned it into the trash Dawn's Ghostbusters 2016. Highly agreed, Matthew. Highly agreed. Thanks for the insight on that as well. I did not know that. Hopefully, you know. Well, if they do make, if they end up making a sequel, we'll see where, you know, what happens. You know, it's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> <Well>. maybe. <laughs> but uh, also, <laughs> we read an email last time to catch up on our backlog of them from UK Lee, Lee Bragg. He's still listening. Glad to hear that you're still out there, Lee, and not dead. And we're not either. Uh, but, of course, he yeah, says, it took hey. Us a while. Yeah. <laughs> he says, hey, thanks for reading my email out on the show. And, of course, I'm still listening. Uh, <laughs> Australian? I don't know. Hold on. Uh, I, I think my to differentiate, I have to do like a cockney. Like, oh thanks for reading my email. Aye. I don't know. Is that, I don't know. I, my, my accent's Harry all over the place. Potter.
1: Harry Potter. Harry Potter.
0: Then <laughs> uh, <laughs> go from there. Anyway, uh, Australian
1: been, is tangerine, <laughs> and then you go from
0: there. I, it's a little more like, a, almost like our Boy. southern drawl compared to right. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah, that's way south. Yeah, <laughs> way, way <laughs> south. <laughs> Down there in Tasmania, well, from Ben White. Oh. Uh, but anyway, uh, been listening to a few of your past episodes while I've been waiting for the new one, and it was worth waiting for. Thank you very much, Lee. Uh, Beetlejuice is my top five films of my childhood, so love listening to that at the work at, at work late. Yeah, sorry. Listening to that at work <laughs> last night, I remember having. Uh, we don't edit. Still, yeah. <laughs> it's been so long though. I got to get back. You know, it's like riding a bike. You, yeah, you remember, but you got to like get that finesse. Back mm-hmm. in. Uh, anyway, I, I remember having Beetlejuice, The Goonies, and Flight of the Navigator on VHS and would watch them over and over again. I was laughing at your worst films of the year list because I got Warcraft and Gods of Egypt on TVD and watched them on the same night, not knowing how much of a <laughs> shit night I was going to have. <laughs> if only we would have released that episode sooner. Oh, we could have saved him. Damn. Uh, which hopefully you got a good laugh of, of, out of them at least because, I mean, at least I did uh, watching him. You know, so there, there is, there is enjoyment. Making a worst of list isn't necessarily bad. Right. You know, because right. there, there are good, bad movies out there.
1: Oh, one of my favorite movies is a bad movie. And which so, one is that? Basketball. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Phenomenal movie. <laughs> it always brings me joy for some reason. Because <laughs> it's good. It's <laughs> a good, bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, but a lot one. of people hate it. So. Yeah. Uh, I, remember I went to see it the day it opened, and there were like three other people in the theater. Oh, <laughs> wow. So. It's
1: like a hot ride. Same Same mm-hmm. deal. That movie's phenomenal. Too. Oh, I love that one. People, I hate. found
0: a bag of fireworks. Would you like to pop? <laughs> it's, it's one of those movies where just the little things are funny, like right. you know, like the stuff that they probably didn't think were going to be funny, but turned out to be so yeah hilarious. Uh, but anyway, uh, he says he wraps up saying, "Keep up the good work on your fantastic podcast, and hope 2017 is better than last year for you guys." Oh, and yes, I'm from England by the way, just south of London. All the best, Lee. Sent from his iPad. Mm. So uh, thanks a bunch, Lee. Glad you know that you're still listening. We appreciate it. Glad you got some enjoyment out of it. Sorry yeah. we, you know, couldn't save you from Warcraft and Gods of Egypt. But you know, you, you win some battles, you lose some. Yeah. But like, uh, I'm gonna have an action packed night tonight. <laughs> 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 Failure. But uh, that does it. Next yeah. week. Uh, what day is this one coming out, Jesse? Today, which is February. To prove it, the groundhog mm-hmm. saw a shadow, right? Second, yeah, very second. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it's going so, up as soon as we're done. Because I have a special Valentine's episode planned that we're going to need to release a little bit early. But we still have time for the one I had originally planned for next week. Oh, okay. Uh, so next week is going to be the top ten for 1984. Since everybody all of a sudden is reading 1984, mm. which has been out for years, like, oh, Trump's president, let's all like <coughs> send sales of 1984 through the roof. Yeah, you should have read it beforehand. <laughs> that was the point of the book. Stepping off my pedestal. Done. But uh, yeah, the top ten films and what was going on in the world in 1984. We'll talk about that next week. And then also, sneak preview for the week after that. It's gonna be a valentines theme movie. So check that... uh, We'll have more info on that next week on the brand spanking new episode of 80s Revisited. But until... Oh, uh, oh, before I forget as well. Don't forget. I mentioned them both on the podcast already. But our friends, John and James at Now Versus Nostalgia... Uh, they do have an episode where they covered a Christmas story. And I think John actually watched a Christmas story too. So give that one a listen. Give them some love. Encourage them to release some more p- episodes. Been waiting on that. And, excuse me, as always, Ben, the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt with the Asia Mania podcast. Uh, shout out to him. Always consistently putting out episodes. And he, he sent me a Facebook message because the first time we read something from him, I mentioned like, oh, you're only on episode one, you know, 102. Like, you'll never catch up with us, you know? In jest, of course. Well, he, he threatened me on Facebook Messenger. So, Jesse, we, gotta, we can't miss a week. We have to, keep, we have to stay oh, wow. one step ahead of Ben.
1: But he did that thing where he was like, released an episode. Yes, already. and he can do it again, Jesse. Aren't oh. you scared? Well, we can have... Uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: Let's break this one up into 10 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> keep up with that, Our ben. special
1: for September. We're going to have 10-minute episodes every day.
0: <laughs> it's all the same movie, so you can hear a little bit about the movie yeah. each day for the entire month.
1: Well, that's how we'll do the, the fighting thing.
0: Yeah, no, there you go. Each one <laughs> A little bit each day. More work on you, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Might oh just say God, fuck it and idea. put it all out at once. That's true. In fact, I need to do some research to see where we're at on that. if <laughs> so we have enough characters for that. But anyway, we'll be back next week, everybody, with the Top 10 of 1984. And until then, I remain Trey Harris.
1: Jesse Sedgley.
0: Cowabunga! Fred Fragile!